Hi there, I'm Rene Schwartz, and welcome to Moonlight Productions' versions of The World's Best Fairy Tales. This series is for listeners both young and old, and features stories from the Grimm's Brothers, Hans Christian Andersen, Arabian Nights, and some of the best classic tales. The Nightingale by Hans Christian Andersen. In China, the emperor is Chinese, as you can well understand, and all his courtiers are also Chinese. It happened many years ago, but the story is worth telling again before it is forgotten. The emperor's palace was the most splendid in the world, all made of priceless porcelain, but so brittle and delicate, one had to take great care in touching it. In the garden were the most beautiful flowers, and the loveliest of them were hung with silver bells which tinkled as you passed. You could not help admiring them. Everything was admirably arranged for a pleasing effect, and the garden was quite large, even if the gardener himself did not know where it ended. Beyond it was a stately forest with green trees and deep lakes. The forest sloped down to the sea, which was a clear blue. Large ships would sail in under the branches of the trees, where lived a nightingale. This nightingale sang so beautifully that even the poor fisherman who had much to do stopped to listen when he came at night to hand in his nets. How beautiful it is, he said, but he had to attend to his work and forgot about the bird. Travelers came to the emperor's capital from many countries and were astonished at the palace and the garden. But as they heard the nightingale, they all said, this is the finest of all. The travelers told about it when they returned home, and learned scholars wrote many books about the town, the palace, and the garden, but they did not forget the nightingale. She was praised above everything else in the empire, and the poets composed splendid verses about the nightingale in the forest by the deep blue sea. These books were sent everywhere in the world, and some of them reached the emperor. He sat in his golden chair and read and read. He nodded his head now and then, for he liked the brilliant accounts of the town, the palace, and the garden. But the nightingale is the most wonderful, the books said. What? said the emperor. I don't know anything about the nightingale. Is there such a bird in my empire and in my own garden? I have never heard of her. Fancy, reading about her for the first time in a book written by someone who never lived here. He called the first lord, who was so grand that if any of lower rank ventured to speak to him, he would say only, Puff! And that means nothing at all. There is said to be a most remarkable bird called a nightingale, said the emperor. They say she is the most glorious wonder of my kingdom. Why has no one ever said anything to me about her? I have never heard the nightingale mentioned, said the first lord. I know that she has never been presented at court, but I will seek her out. But where was she to be found? The first lord ran upstairs and downstairs, through the halls and corridors, but no one he met had ever heard of the nightingale. So the first lord ran again to the emperor and told him that it must be all imagination on the part of those who had written the books. Your imperial majesty cannot believe whatever is written. There are some inventions called 
the black art. But one book in which I read this, said the emperor, was sent me by the powerful emperor of Japan, so it cannot be untrue. The nightingale must be here this evening. She has my gracious permission to appear before me, and if she does not, the whole court shall be trampled underfoot after her supper. Tsing Pi, said the first lord, and he ran upstairs and downstairs, through the halls and corridors, and half the court ran with him, for they did not want to be trampled underfoot. Everyone was asking about the wonderful nightingale, of which all the world knew except those at the court of the Chinese emperor. At last they met a poor little maid in the kitchen who said, Oh, I know the nightingale quite well. How she sings. Every evening I carry the leftover scraps from the court table to my poor sick mother. When I am at going home at night, tired and weary, and I stop to rest for a while in the woods, then I hear the nightingale singing. It brings tears to my eyes, and I feel as if my mother were kissing me. My little kitchen maid, said the first lord, I will give you a place as the court cook, and you shall have leave to see the emperor at dinner every night if you will lead us to the nightingale. She is invited to appear at the court this evening. So they all went into the forest where the nightingale usually sang, and half the court went too. On the way they heard a cow mooing. Oh, said one of the courtiers, we have found her. What wonderful power for, for such a small creature. I am sure I have heard her before. No, that is a cow mooing, said the little kitchen maid. We are still a long way off. Then the frogs began to croak in the march. Splendid, said the court chaplain. That must be the nightingale. It sounds like distant church bells. No, no, those are frogs, said the little kitchen maid. But I think we shall soon hear her now. Then the nightingale began to sing. There she is, cried the girl. Listen, she is sitting there. And she pointed to a small gray bird up in the branches. Is it possible, said the first lord. I should never have thought it. How ordinary she looks. She must have lost her color seeing so many distinguished men around her. Dear little nightingale, called the kitchen maid, our gracious emperor would like to have you sing for him. With the greatest of pleasure, said the nightingale, and she sang so gloriously that it was a joy to hear her. It sounds like crystal bells, said the first lord. Look how her tiny throat throbs. It is strange we have never heard her before. She will be a great success at court. Shall I sing once more for the emperor? asked the nightingale, thinking that he was one of the men standing below. My esteemed little nightingale, said the first lord, I have the honor to invite you to court this evening, where his gracious imperial highness will be enchanted with your charming song. My song sounds best among the trees, said the nightingale, but she went with them gladly when she heard the emperor wished it. At the palace everything was prepared for the glorious occasion. The porcelain walls, the floors glittered in the light of many thousands of golden lamps. Gorgeous flowers with tinkling bells were placed in the corridors. 
There was such a hurrying and doors opening and closing that all the bells jingled so one could scarcely hear oneself speak. In the center of the great hall, where the emperor sat on his throne, a golden perch had been placed for the nightingale. The whole court was there, and the little kitchen maid was allowed to stand behind the door, now that she was court cook. Everyone was dressed in his best, and everyone looking toward the little gray bird, to whom the emperor nodded most kindly. The nightingale sang so gloriously that tears came into the emperor's eyes and rolled down his cheeks. Then the nightingale sang even more beautifully, and her music melted every heart. The emperor was filled with such delight that he said she should wear his gold slipper around her neck. But the nightingale thanked him and said she had reward enough already. I have seen tears in the emperor's eyes. That is the richest reward. An emperor's tears have great power. Then she sang again with her entrancingly sweet voice. This is the most charming coquetry I have ever heard, said the ladies. And all of them held water in their mouths that they might make a jug-jugging sound whenever anyone spoke to them. Then they thought themselves nightingales. The lackeys and chambermaids announced they were also pleased, which means a great deal, for they are the most difficult of all to satisfy. In short, the nightingale was a real success. She had to stay at court now. She had her own cage, with permission to walk out twice in the day and once at night. She was given twelve servants, each of whom held a silken ribbon which was fastened round one of her tiny legs, so there was not much fun in an outing like this. The whole town was talking about the wonderful bird, and when two people met, one would say, Nighting, and the other, Gale, and then they would sigh and understand each other. Yes, and eleven grocers' children were named after the nightingale, but not one of them could sing a note. One day the emperor received a large parcel on which was written, The Nightingale. Here's another new book about our famous bird, I'm sure said the emperor. It was not a book, however, but a little mechanical toy which lay in a box, an artificial nightingale, very like the real one, but studded with diamonds, rubies, and sapphires. When it was wound up, it could sing one of the songs the real bird sang, and its tail moved up and down, glittering with silver and gold. Around its neck, in a little collar on which was written, the nightingale of the Emperor of Japan is nothing compared to that of the Emperor of China. Wonderful, everyone said, and the man who had brought the artificial bird received the title of bringer of the imperial first nightingale. Now they must sing together. What a duet we shall have. And so they sang together, but their voices did not blend, for the real nightingale sang in her way, and the other bird sang waltzes. It is not its fault, said the music master. It always keeps very good time and is quite correct in every way. Then the artificial nighting bird had to sing alone. It gave just as much pleasure as the real one, and some said it was much prettier to look at, for it sparkled like bracelets and necklaces. Three and thirty times it sang the same piece without being tired. The courtiers wanted to hear it once again, but the emperor thought that the living nightingale should sing for them now. But where was she? 
No one had noticed that she had flown out of the open window back to her green woods. "'What shall we do?' said the emperor. And all the court scolded and said that the nightingale was very ungrateful. "'But we still have the better bird,' they said joyfully. Then the artificial one had to sing again. And that was the thirty-fourth time they had heard the same piece, but they did not know it yet by heart. It was much too difficult. The music master praised the bird and assured them that it was better than a real nightingale, not only because of its beautiful diamond-studded plumage, but because of its mechanical interior as well. For see, my lords and ladies, and your imperial majesty, with the real nightingale one can never tell which song will come out, but with the artificial bird everything is set beforehand. You can explain its mechanism and show people how man's skill arranged the waltzes and how one note follows the other in perfect order. That is just what I think, said everyone, and the music master requested permission to show the bird to the people the next Sunday. They shall hear it sing, commanded the emperor, and they heard it and were as pleased as if they had had too much tea after the Chinese fashion. They all said, Oh, and held up their forefingers and nodded time. But the poor fisherman who had heard the real nightingale suddenly remembered its voice and said, This one sings well enough, but there is something wanting. I don't know what. The real nightingale was banished from the kingdom, while the artificial one was put on a silken cushion by the emperor's bed. All the presents which it received of gold and precious stones lay around it. It was given the title of Imperial Night Singer, first from the left. The emperor considered that side more distinguished, for even an emperor's heart is on the left. And the music master wrote twenty-five volumes about the artificial bird, all learned, lengthy, and full of the hardest Chinese words. Yet the people in the court said they had read and understood them for they remembered that once they had been very stupid about a book and had been trampled underfoot in consequence. So a whole year passed. The emperor, the court, the other Chinese knew every note of the artificial bird's song by heart, and they liked it better for that. They could even sing with it, and they did so. And the young street boys sang tra-la-la-la-la, and the emperor sang with the bird too sometimes. It was indeed delightful. But one evening, when the artificial bird was singing its best, and the emperor lay in bed listening to it, something inside the bird snapped. All the wheels ran down, and then the music ceased. The emperor sprang up and had his physician summoned, but what could he do? Then the watchmaker came, and after a great deal of talking and examining, he repaired the bird as well as he could, but he said, the bird must be used as little as possible, as the works were nearly worn out and could not be replaced. Here was a calamity. Only once a year was the artificial bird allowed to sing, and even that was almost too much for it. But then the music master made a little speech full of difficult words, saying that it was just as good as before, and so, of course, it was just as good as before. Five years passed, and then a great sorrow befell the nation. The Chinese were fond of their emperor, and now he lay ill, 
and it was said was not likely to live. Already a new emperor had been chosen, and the people stood in the street and asked the first lord how the old emperor was. Pfft, said he, and shook his head. Cold and pale lay the emperor in his regal bed. All the courtiers believed him dead, and one after the other left him to pay their respects to the new emperor. Everywhere in the halls and corridors cloth was laid down, so no footstep could be heard, and everything was still, very, very still, and nothing came to break the silence. The emperor longed for something to relieve the monotony of this death-like stillness. If only someone would speak to him, if only someone would sing to him, music would carry his thoughts away and break the spell lying on him. The moon shone in at the open window, but that too was silent, quite silent. Music, music, cried the emperor. Precious little golden birds, sing, sing. I gave you gold and jewels. I hung my gold slipper round your neck with my own hand. Sing, sing. But the bird was silent, for there was no one to wind it up, and everything was silent, terribly still. All at once there came in through the window the most glorious burst of song. It was the little living nightingale, who had been sitting on a bough outside. She had heard of the need of her emperor, and had come to sing to him of comfort and hope. As she sang, the blood flowed quicker and quicker in the emperor's weak body, and life began to return. Thank you, thank you, said the emperor. You divine little bird, I know you. I banished you from my kingdom, and yet you have given me life again. How can I reward you? You have done that already, said the nightingale. I brought tears to your eyes the first time I sang, and I shall never forget that. They are jewels that rejoice a singer's heart. But now sleep and grow strong again. I will sing you a lullaby. And the emperor fell into a deep, calm sleep as the nightingale sang. The sun was shining through the window when he awoke, strong and well. None of his servants had come back yet, for they thought he was dead. But the nightingale still sang to him. You must stay with me always, said the emperor. You shall sing only when you like, and I will break the artificial bird into a thousand pieces. Don't do that, said the nightingale. It did what it could. Keep it as you have done. I cannot build my nest in the palace and live here, but let me come whenever I like. In the evening I will sit on the branch outside the window and sing something to make you feel happy. I will sing of joy and of sorrow. I will sing of the evil and the good which lie hidden from you. The little singing bird flies everywhere, to the poor fisherman's hut or the farmer's cottage, to all those who are far away from you and your court. I love your heart more than your crown, though that has about it a brightness as of something holy. Now I will sing to you again, but you must promise me one thing. Anything that you ask said the emperor, standing up in his beautiful imperial robes, which he had put on himself and fastening on his sword, richly embossed with gold. One thing only I beg of you. Do not tell anyone you have a little bird who tells you everything. It will be much better not to have it known. And then the nightingale flew away, 
When the servants came in to attend their dead emperor, the emperor said, Good morning, 